It's who you are at work, after hours, and back at home. Exploring every layer, finding out what makes you uniquely you, and letting that shine back out into the world. It's Authentic 365, a podcast that takes a glimpse into how some of the most inspiring people among us express themselves and make magic happen. I'm your host, Danny Jackson-Smith, VP at Edelman by Day, community enthusiast and lover of the people always. Edelman released the Power of Gen Z Trust and the Future Consumer Report. The data identifies Gen Z as the generation of sensibility, breaking through myths and assumptions that Gen Z is simply the influencer generation, cancel generation, or TikTok generation. On this episode of Authentic 365, our London co-host Jermaine Dallas will be leading a conversation on Gen Z and authenticity. From time spent at home and work to interacting with brands and finding truth in a sea of opinions, you will hear personal stories direct from people that identify as Gen Z. My four Gen Z guests are from four different countries and they have their own experiences to share with us. So first of all is Ali Almefli, who is an Associate Research Analyst from Edelman's research arm, DXI. Ali is based in our Chicago office. Next up is Asha Johnny. Asha is an account executive from Edelman's brand team in London. Then we have Kristen Battencourt, who is an account executive in influencer marketing based in Toronto. Finally, we have Sebastian Nicholas Schifrin, who is a senior account executive in the Paris brand team. So thanks everyone for joining us on the show today. What do you expect from brands? I'm going to come to you first, um, Kristen. Um, what do you expect from brands? And um, like, what will influence the the purchase decisions that you make? Are you sort of like an activist when it comes to choosing the brands that you buy from, or are you more driven by price? Yeah, I think uh, when brands create relatable content, I'm someone that's very into fashion and lifestyle content, and I make a lot of my influence based on like. Let's say I follow an influencer, I see something come up on my For You page that I really like. Like, for example, like those North, North Face jackets are really popular, like kind of all around the world and everyone's wearing them and you see everyone kind of build different um, outfits with them. So that's kind of what drives my uh, purchase. And even though it is a little bit more pricey, but you can see it's very uh diverse and you can wear them with a lot of different outfits. So like when I see brands create relatable content, I know... Um, that definitely drives it. I know when we work with influencers and we work with like a specific type of influencer for a campaign um, and they're creating that content that really relates to their brand. For example, when we're working with HP and we work with a tech influencer, them just like really getting into detail and spitting the facts and reviewing um, all the details of the product, um, you can really see how engaged like their audience is because they really want to see every detail and that you're hitting all the questions. So and I know you you do work with influencers a lot anyway, Kristen. But but do you, do you think that influencers really do matter then when it comes to to Gen Z and making the the purchases they make? Um, I definitely do think they have a big influence because I know it works on me sometimes. I know sometimes I'll be very rash on my decisions because I'll see something come up and I know it's gonna maybe sell out right away because a specific influencer wore it. Um, I know that, and I'm I'm not the only one in my friend group that that happens too and I we do see like a lot of uh, ROI with our 
our brands and like them getting really good engagement on their posts and um, their click-through rates have been amazing and so we've been seeing results and we've definitely been seeing positive feedback. Ali, are you driven by influencers? Uh, I would have to say no. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly a social media guy, right? Like, um, I don't spend so much time on social channels, but when I do, um, I'm, I'm looking for content that I particularly like, like, uh, you know, business content, entrepreneurship content, um, stuff like that. I will say just to kind of tackle, you know, how, how to get to someone like me who, who's young, but may not be necessarily on social all the time, um, you know, what you say on social media matters. And uh, I'll give an example. I love a brand who can crush communications with Gen Z, right? Like a, a brand who can show up authentically in, you know, these kind of social platforms or these little hubs and destroy communications. And I'll give an example. I was recently, I was recently in, uh, in Portugal. I just got back two days ago, right? And I went to I went to Spain for the weekend, kind of like in between, and I realized that I love Spanish. Like I love Spanish. I need to finish learning Spanish. And the first brand that came to mind was Duolingo. And the and see, we have a, a bunch of like Gen Z people here, and they're shaking their heads because you know, like this is a brand that is absolutely destroying communications with Gen Z, and they're super authentic. Um, you know, they're really, really funny. They're, they, they kind of, you know, balance communicating with us in the way that we like. Um, and so that influenced my kind of decision to use Duolingo to kind of learn vocabulary and stuff like that. So those are the things that drive, you know, my purchase decisions when I'm, I'm scrolling, you know, in the little time that I use TikTok and I see a brand like, you know, in the comments being like really funny, or I see a brand that's like, you know, helping someone, um, you know, where there was a, there was, you know, something was, light was shedded on like a particular problem that young people, you know, brought to the surface and then a brand tackled that problem. I love that. I think that's, that's, that's amazing. So. I, I love Duolingo ahead. as well. Um, I just find yeah. that, that owl slightly <laughs> passive aggressive when you miss a couple of days. Oh, okay. I don't oh, like that. Um, Asha, what about yeah, you? Right. Is the, is the, the, the brand communication important or is it all about the products themselves? I think for me, it's it's all about how a brand shows up consistent, consistently across all aspects of life it touches. So not necessarily uh, just what they're doing on social or what they're doing through communications, but also, yeah, how that all marries up. So with its products, um, people, um, through to what it's putting out on its platforms, it's all about how that marries up and, and is consistent with each other from one holistic um, brand point. And I think... The, the big thing for me probably is the, is the people piece. Um, and that I think, especially with, um, you know, such a, a pivotal and tumultuous time that we're living through at the moment with climate change and COVID-19 and, and, you know, like social justice, I think the key thing to remember is that Gen Z are watching what you're, how you're interacting with your people and mm-hmm. um, that is influencing what we're going to buy from you now and also what we're going to buy from you in 10 years time in 15 years time and I think for me in particular with with influencers I know you just mentioned I think that they'll probably impact me on sort of cheaper short-term purchases but for for long-term more expensive investments 
I don't feel that they they influence me on the day to day, which I think is interesting. So if I see an, an influencer, um, you know, pushing a, a piece of clothing, I might be more inclined to buy it. But in terms of more expensive purchases, like some some tech or, or you know, even, you know, in however many years time when I start to buy things um, for a house, for example, I'm not sure they'll influence me there. Then it will be more about the brand as a whole. And um, yeah, I think that's where I stand on it. So I'm I'm hearing that um, influencers are important in certain situations. So are the, the sort of the, the broader comms and especially um, elements of purpose as well. Nicholas, what what influences you when you shop? Um, I I think I'm gonna have to to rally with um Hali on that on that one. I'm not sure that I um I that much uh get influenced by influencer to get a product uh, i don't think that i'm expecting brands to show up on certain things i'm more expecting for myself to make sure that when i'm purchasing something that it aligns with my beliefs and what uh, i should uh, on where i should buy from i mean it's just that i'm not going to buy a product if i think uh, that it does not fit with why i believe or uh, in the long term but if I'm truly interested in something, like right now, I have a huge interest in my skin <laughs> because of of the mask that we are wearing, and I'm seeing um, a lot of pimples uh, going out, and I'm like going crazy in the mirror every day and every night looking on a way to just remove them. So I started following uh, a few influencer in France, a skincare uh, and beauty influencer, just to. I have a better sense of what should I um, buy. Um, and and it's not like influencer that I'm looking for, but it's just like I'm searching for different sources and different people like like me, people that try the product and that said, okay. And if, I, if I'm seeing like a lot of reviews that are, uh, that are saying that the product is the good one, is a good one, and you'll see the results that you're expecting, then definitely I will buy it. Uh, but it still has to sit uh, with my beliefs uh, like um, if if the brand are interested in diversity and inclusion obviously that's going to be a huge part for me um, and, and and things like that yeah so I, I suppose it's it's not just about influencers for influencers sake it's more sort of people looking for people's expertise and people's experiences as opposed to just getting a celebrity to say buy this product please it's got to have that sort of um, level of authenticity which sort of brings me to my next question actually this is um, authentic 365 after all so I want to move on to talk about what our lives are like um at work I say our like I'm a Gen Z I'm not <laughs> I wish I still was um but um what about um authenticity what does authenticity uh, mean for you especially in the way that you show up at work um I'll ask that to you first uh, Asha I think for me it's incredibly important to bring my uh authentic self to work and I think um having only been in the workforce for the last two or three years I'm still figuring out exactly what that means and and also having worked in two different companies I think that means something different depending on the people that are around you so my first company I worked um, in an office that was you know 25 minutes from where I'd grown up my whole life so I felt like all of the people around me or a lot of the people around me had similar experiences Uh, now working um, at Edelman I've moved down to London and I do find that um, the people around me are probably 
less similar in, in terms of experiences and growing up than they were when I was when I was living at home. But I think in a way that means that I bring something really valuable and that I've had a different um you know, I've grown up in a different place and, and, and in London as well, it being such a, a hub of, you know, multiculture, everybody in Edelman brings something different. Um, and that's something that I feel like it's really important to lean into, especially in the, in the line of work that we do. And I think kind of from a Gen Z perspective, we are all really conscious and aware of the fact that we have a, you know, an important voice around the table at the moment and that people are really interested and invested in hearing exactly what we think um and so i think we just need to make sure that the authentic self that we're bringing to work we're doing confidently and you know feeling empowered to to share how we really think about something because that might um have an impact on the work that we do and the ideas and you know creative concepts that are taken forward um because our our, our voice is important around the table at the moment and I, and I think it will be so going forward so for me it's it's important um and it's important to do it confidently. Yeah, and I, and I suppose um, me and you, Asher, are both sort of um, kindred spirits in that we we, we mm. both moved from um, t- towns up north, um, in the north of the country, to go to the bright lights of the city. But I, I suppose everyone has that sort of some sort of challenge or that balance to to hold when it comes to work. So, Ollie, do you have a sort of a home persona and a work persona? Do you mix the two? How does that manifest in your life? Uh I, I try to show up the same. Like I, my family knows me. Um, of course, they know more of me than you know. I guess my coworkers do, but they kind of know me to be the same person, uh, if that makes sense. And the reason that I try to do that is because I, I think it's I think it's too much work to not show up as yourself, right? Like, even if it's um, you know just kind of on the surface acting differently and not necessarily having the conversations that you would have with people and interacting with people like. Um, you typically do, you feel it on the inside, right? Like you, you, you're, it's, it's somewhat conflicting, I think, to show up and not be yourself. And then the thing that I've found is, um, you know, when you show up as who you are, particularly in your workplace, it inspires people to be themselves in the workplace, right? And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I love my team. They know me. I'm like a, I'm like a very, uh, uh, I'm like a social butterfly, right? Like in the house and, you know, here at work. And um, yeah, I, I think uh, it, it just, it's just like, uh, it's just who we are. Like, it's easy. It's, it's, I think, a little bit difficult sometimes for people to, to show up to work as, as themselves for fear of judgment. But what you find is when you actually show up to work authentically and, you know, you get to inspire people to be themselves, more, better work is done, right? So it's, it's a super cool thing. What about you, Nicholas? Do do you ever feel like you you can't be yourself fully at work? I yes, I mean no. Um, it's weird because, you know, in a way, I do think that I'm trying to be, uh, all of the time me, uh, but sometimes a slightest a, a slightest a different version of myself uh, when I'm at work because I can be. And it'll be crazy sometimes um, <laughs> with my friends. So definitely, I, I'm gonna have to be a, a little bit more corporate when I'm when, when I'm at work. But what I loved uh, in the Paris office is that uh, it, it's a it's an office that that um, tried to get people with personalities. So it's not that much difficult for you to be yourself. Uh, within the office, everyone is so much 
inspiring and I mean you can you can feel you can feel everyone's energy all of the time on the work and within the workplace we, we have so much little times together so it's not really difficult I even if you kind of have to be um a down a slight down version of yourself when you're with your clients but when you with when you with your co-workers it's it's easier because uh they tend to become your friends in a in a sense so uh it's not that hard but i do from time to time uh change my persona just to be um to 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 play the part i'll say Kristen, is there a work Kristen and a home Kristen? How are the two different? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that I try to bring my most, uh, most authentic self to the table. But uh, I think especially onboarding virtually, I haven't been able to fully kind of show my full personality. I know like you kind of have like 30 minute meetings or you have brand team meetings that are uh, uh, team wide. But um, I feel like I haven't been able to fully like kind of give my full authentic self but while like I have those little snippets I try to be completely myself and uh, uh like Ali said just honestly just you you get more work done when you're yourself and and you just get to communicate people the way you want to do it makes you want to show up to work when you're pretending to be someone that you're not it it kind of makes you uncomfortable and and it's just not comfortable so (laughs) and yeah I just think it's it's difficult for online so I kind of just try to make the best of it and I and I hope that everyone thinks that I'm being my authentic self (laughs) that's brilliant Just, just to add a point Jermaine real quick I wonder if like I think the the like the thing with I think work and life have been the waters have been kind of muddied a little bit right like we sit in our homes we open our computers and we're already at work, right? And so I wonder if, because that's the case, there is a, there's a bit of a push um, to be yourself a little bit more because you're already working from your own home, right? It's, you're a little bit more comfortable than you would be you know, walking into an office. Sometimes you, I, I'll take meetings, I'll run downstairs, I'll be on my phone, I go grab a cup of coffee, I'll talk to my mom, I'll sometimes put myself on mute, right? And I, I wonder if that's, that kind of thing is pushing people to be themselves a little bit more just out of, uh, you know, like a, a place of comfort. The other thing is, is it's, it's kind of hard to be inauthentic now because everyone's watching, right? Like everything is so open in this generation. Um, I, I don't know if you saw the research, but like 70% fact check what you say and will unfollow you if you're being untruthful, right? Like this is a generation that like searches for transparency and truth and all of these different things. And so because that's the case, there's a little bit of social pressure to, to be you or social pressure and, and kind of how we have like a social anxiety because people are watching if you're not being you, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to add that. Um, I think it's it's cool and it's it's something that's a little bit different and definitely probably brought on by the pandemic or exacerbated by the pandemic. Can I just jump in there too? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's funny that you kind of brought that up too because I do know a few influencers personally just from friends and growing up and I do know like a lot of it's been kind of known lately that people are coming out that 
on the internet like they're showing like their best versions of themselves and obviously you do have the influencers where they show you every detail but they do say it's kind of hard to kind of disconnect from the two because you're showing your whole life on the internet so sometimes it gets hard because you're constantly showing people like the positive sides all your wins meanwhile like behind the scenes like obviously you're human you're going through normal things so like sometimes differentiating like you're obviously not going to put up your failures all the time like of course there's like influencers like Remy Batter like that she kind of blew up on TikTok and she she's known for doing her plus size like outfit reviews and she blew up just showing like her most authentic self like even behind the scenes like her struggles with mental health so it was really cool seeing that but for the majority I know there's a lot of influencers that do struggle like behind the scenes but on the surface level they look like amazing like everyone thinks they have the best life so it's kind of like a fine line like obviously you're gonna go by like trusting what you see on the internet and you're gonna see a lot of people posting the same things but sometimes there's a fine line on the internet with like who's really like showing you everything and like can you really trust that influencer and all of that as well it's what I've noticed too and even just working on the platform sometimes I find when I'm constantly on uh Instagram and TikToks, I work heavily on it for um, being an, in influencer marketing. I like need to disconnect after like it's very, very hard. I find it it, it definitely affects my mental health more than um, you think sometimes. But just finding that disconnect is something that like is very important. <laughs> um, Ali, you made an interesting point about um, it possibly being an area of comfort working from home that you have that sort of that connection that is the familiar with you and um, which I think is interesting because um one thing that I hear a lot um especially from um Gen Z is that sometimes it can be difficult to acclimatize to a new business when you're not based in the office so I'm going to come to you Ashley because I know you've joined Edelman at a time when you weren't straight away going into the office all the time so what were the expectations for you going into the world of work and coming into Edelman where you weren't able to be in the office straight away? Yeah, I think one of the, the main reasons that I joined Edelman was because I really craved the kind of collaboration, like creativity, the teamwork um, and those sorts of, you know, real people elements of the job where we, we were going to be working closely together. And um, yeah, I joined in in last March so that was right at the height of a lockdown in the UK um, and I was probably working at home before I went into the office at all for four or five months and, uh, and you know to Ali and Kristen's point I think working from home and, and trying to get your personality across virtually is something that I found challenging and again I think it's, it's that um, the balance of you know really wanting to make your mark on a team but also sometimes challenging people or or coming up with new and, and different ideas can can be slightly more daunting when you're virtual and and you know you have to really kind of make an effort to cut through the the noise um rather than you saying it uh, across the office and you know conversation just happens a little bit more naturally there you know you're not having to unmute yourself and try and chip in um but to me, I think uh, I really came into my own at Edelman as soon as I started going into the office. And that's something that um, I, I noticed was huge and, and something that I didn't really think about too much before I joined Edelman. I, um, I didn't think that working from home would, would be an issue. And it wasn't an issue, but I have just found that I enjoy it so much more when I'm in the office and we're able to have those 
collaborative conversations and you know, creative brainstorms and, and things like that in person. It's just something that happens so much more naturally. Um, but then equally, I wouldn't give up working from home completely. I think, um, you know, flexibility and uh, the ability to choose when and where you work um, has its huge benefits. I think for me, uh, in the as, as a young person, I definitely crave the, the social aspect of of the office but I also appreciate the ability to be able to work work from home and make your working environment work for you. Nicholas what about you how have you found working from home for so much of the early part of your career when a lot of people would be wanting to be in the office as much as possible to learn things firsthand from people? Well, t- to be honest, I it was a really difficult experience because I was uh, alone uh, in my apartment in Paris. I mean, at, uh, so so it was a it, it came down a little bit hard on me. Um, so it, I was really, I won't say depressed, but not far from that. Um, because uh, being away from my friends, my family for such a long time, and then I had the ability just to. Uh, to move to the countryside with some friends. Uh, so we were like for a long time, seven of ourselves together uh, in the place, uh, so enjoying ourselves for, seven, for for two months and then go back uh, to my place all alone. So that, that was like um, a really depressing moment for me. Uh, so I started meditating, <laughs> thanks to, uh, so, so it, which does not sit well with my personality. I'm going to say that for sure. Uh, the, 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 for the first time, uh, for the first um, lockdown, I start, um, I tried meditating and I think I closed my eye for 10 seconds and uh, listening to a, to a YouTube video on how you should meditate. And I think about 10 seconds in, I was I said, OK, no, that's not for me. I'm going to stop. So I tried sports. So I was like, um, <laughs> I was doing a lot of sport in my apartment every uh, at noon every day. I had someone, a coach that that was helping me, uh, trying to get fit for the summer because I didn't know if I was gonna be able to to go to the beach. So summer body, you guys know that. Uh, and all, and always good then, to be prepared just in case. I get that. Exactly, I get that. Just in case. Yeah. And then I think uh, I I downloaded the Calm application that Edelman provided for everyone and which has been of tremendous help. Uh, I'm gonna say just that because uh, it, it helped me started just to have um, a better sense of how you should um, take that in but so that it's okay to feel depressed, but you, you can have, you can exercise yourself in a way that you train your brain onto seeing the positive outlook on your life uh, early morning and uh, when you go to bed, so uh, that was definitely um, of a huge help uh, to to go through that. Um, Nicholas, and then, if, uh, Sebastian, yeah, if you don't mind me asking, if you don't mind me asking, did you work in the office prior to the pandemic? Have you been at Edelman long enough to work in the office? Yes, I mean I was at Edelman before, so so it was kind of hard for me just to. Uh, I was I was in the office for three years because before the pandemic, so um, so I spent almost a lot of time uh, getting to know all of my coworkers, working on their accounts very closely uh, on the same office. I mean, within the same offices. Uh, so yeah, that was that was the the hardest part because I knew my coworkers, and I knew mm-hmm. how how fun it was to go to work. I and so do- now that you've experienced both, which do you prefer? Because I think. 
I think this is going to be, this is so awesome to explore because many of us don't have a point of reference as to what work was like prior to the pandemic. Asha, myself, um, I don't know, see, three of us here don't know what it was like to go in, work with your coworkers in person. But now that you've experienced both, what, what do you prefer and why? What are the, what are the, like, just talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. I think I, I love a, a good balance of, of both. I'm not going to say why. I mean, yes, I do. I'm going to say why. I think that's a morning when I'm not feeling like <laughs> um, heavy on going to work. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not, it's, it's just that sometimes when you just get out of bed, it feels like, okay, I'm going to take that call from, uh, from my, from my desk and from my, I mean, it's going to be just easier for me because in terms of, uh, the mental space that I'm in, I don't feel like uh, going on taking the train and seeing a lot of people and I'd rather be just by myself. And sometimes when you're at, at your place, you can scream at your computer and no one get will be mad at you. Um, so it, it's also easier just to express yourself in, in some ways that you won't be able to uh, when you're in the office, to be honest. Um, and at the same time, I do love my coworkers and I do enjoy the times that we get to spend together. I have also a lot of people that I have to train, some interns and, and such. So it's, um, it's not easy just to share your knowledge and just to explain people things over the phone, over and over and over teams, even if it's a great platform just to, that has been a tremendous help. But I think sometimes it's also good uh, to be in the office just to connect with the people that you're working with. Exactly, yeah. Before we get out of here, I want to go on to um, quickly talk about what is truth and, and how we define truth. So, um, Ali, you, you mentioned in the Gen Z research that Edelman conducted that um, the majority of, of people, I think it was 70% of, of Gen Z, fact-checked fact check even the information that they receive so i'm going to start with you Kristen. how do you define truth and whose opinions do you take on board yeah i think it definitely comes comes and goes like for me i feel like i'm just relating heavily to influencer because i'm always on social media so that's where i fact check a lot of my things i feel like i go straight to the comments and then i will see like hashtags and see if there's other reviews on it i definitely want to i do like my research i do heavy on my research because i know that um, sometimes, obviously, there's situations where influencers will post something and they don't necessarily use that. There's always uh, uh, occasions where that comes up. But um, I go straight to the comments. I look at what people are giving feedback. If they say, oh, yes, I've tried it too. It's worked great on me. And then I look, look at the hashtags and see if other influencers have used it or even just regular people that aren't influencers that are just posting about it and like they're just sharing your, their honest feedback and reviews that's how I kind of base my feedback off of and then obviously I have my my girl group chat that like I'll I'll kind of check in and we'll, we'll chat and see if anyone has tried it or if they have any feedback too that's kind of where I fact check most of my stuff just because I'm just so heavy on social media unfortunately and that's how fortunately but fortunately but um yeah, that's where I fact check a lot of my stuff. And I'm going to um, finally ask you that same question, um, Asha. Where do you get your truth from? Yeah, I think um, what Kristen said there was really, really interesting because um, from the, the Gen Z research, I also thought it was really um, interesting that 
84 to 88% of us uh, find inspiration from our friends and family. And I think that truth is something that um, aligns with inspiration in that way, because um, I think I totally agree that like both inspiration and truth, the first place that I would look to discuss that with is probably friends and family. Um, And then like those conversations and that discourse helps me inform where the next step might be I go to get my truth and I think similarly to, to Kristen I'm a, a huge like researcher and um, I wasn't necessarily thinking of truth in terms of like influencers and, and reviews and that sort of thing but because you mentioned it um, I'm a, a huge foodie and if I'm gonna go on a holiday for example and I'm looking at places to to eat or drink when I'm away I will read realms and realms of reviews um Mm -hmm. and i'll read the comments i'll type it in on twitter um and i think that that stat about uh, gen z you know rigorously fact checking and and researching i I really i really do agree with that i think it's it's almost second nature to us that if we see something on social media or or in the press that we will then type it in on google type it in on twitter um ask our friends about it even if it doesn't feel like we're fact checking we're probably doing it indirectly through having conversations with people um every day um and then I guess yeah I think truth also is just something that comes from um in our line of work I guess like reading around the topic and making sure that we are informed um and we have those like differences of opinion so that's something that I definitely do as well is that if I've read one opinion on something I actually try and seek out the opposing opinion and then make my own call on where I sit within the spectrum I I I don't think it's a coincidence that we're all this way also by the way I don't think it's a coincidence I think I think it's super cool that young people are finding their way to the truth and the reason I don't think, I don't know if any of you read the recent Edelman 2022 Trust Barometer report, but misinformation and disinformation is at an all-time high, right? It seems like in a world where truth is scarce, we're trying to s- search for the breadcrumbs and figure out our way to actually what is right, what is correct, what is, and I think it's super cool, but I don't think it's a coincidence. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Well, um, I think that's all the time we have. So really appreciate your time. So um, Christian, Asher, Ali and Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us on Authentic 365. If you want to find out more about the Gen Z research, you can find all the information at edelman.com. And that's a wrap for this episode. Many thanks to you for rocking with us. And until next time, keep it authentic all day, every day. Shout out to our team behind the scenes. Faith McIver, Emma Marie McAfee, Trish Smith, Denise Bush, Sarah Neal, Pamela Blandon, Emma Dowling, Ryan Vanden Bosch. Authentic 365 is brought to you by global communications firm Edelman.